Good morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 15. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgiven our debtors. And lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Central Weston Church. My name is Olson Duclos, and I am honored to speak with you all this morning. Um, it was just a year ago to the date that my wife, Bree, and I uh, got to visit you, you all, and, and we were welcomed so warmly. And, and truly, I know that but for COVID, we would be experiencing your warm Midwestern hospitality even right now. I understand if you've been tuning in, um, you all have been walking through Jesus's most popular sermon, uh, what we call the, the Sermon on the Mount. People came from all over to hear Jesus speak these words. And, and th this is a great way, whether you are exploring faith or, or new to, to faith, or maybe you've been committed to faith in Jesus for, for, for some time. Either way, this is a great way for you to get to know who Jesus really is. Rather than, than rely on, on a caricature um, of Jesus that you may have been given or maybe even conjured up in your mind. This is Jesus as he is. Essentially, Jesus in his own words. Here, Jesus, Jesus teaches us how to pray. Prayer is essential to the Christian faith. It is how we communicate with God. It's a, it's a tremendous privilege. While, while Christians are not the only ones who pray, uh, Jesus models how Christian prayer is different from other practices of prayer. We, we saw a couple of weeks ago that, that Jesus doesn't want us to be hypocritical uh, in our prayers like, like the Pharisees um, practicing our, our piety uh, before others in order to be seen by them. Maybe that's not your thing anyways. Maybe you, you may say to, to yourself, uh, I don't even like praying in public. And, then, and, and Jesus, Jesus uh, doesn't want us to, to pray like the pagans would, rambling on and on as if the, the length of our prayers would, would grant us a greater audience with, with the Almighty. But, I mean, I don't know. You might say, well, hey, I'm not long-winded anyway. All right? So that's a win-win. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can come away from this text thinking Jesus wants us to pray short, private prayers. Short, private prayers. And, and while that, that sounds pretty efficient, here in what we call the, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us what he's really getting at. What is the, the, the point and the power 
of prayer. He, he teaches us a better way to pray. The, the, the reality is that most of us, um, if not all of us who pray, either pray like the Pharisees or the pagans, and that we are at the center of our own prayers. We are at the center of our own prayers. We're, we're busy praying to get into the right schools and get into the right job or, or get the right spouse, get the right house. Uh, get, um, Lord, please help me raise these kids. While these are all good things and, and your heavenly father, he wants you to have good things. But if we are the center of our prayers, then we have missed the point and the power of prayer. If we are the subject matter, if, if we are the, the, the protagonist and God serves to advance our own agenda, then we've missed the point of prayer in the first place. I think of an endearing story um, about my, my wife, Bree, um, making eggs with her, grandma, uh, her grandmother, her, her mamma. Uh, and Bree, Bree got distracted, and, and she was so distracted talking to Mama uh, that she cracked an egg, um, dumped the, the yolk in the trash, and then put the shell in the bowl. Did it again, cracked, cracked another egg, dumped the yolk in the trash, put the shells in the bowl. Did it again, cracked the egg, dumped the yolk in the trash, and dumped the uh, shells in the bowl. They're still talking. Crack the egg, dump the yolk in the trash, uh, and put the shells in the bowl. She went through nearly half a dozen eggs. And it wasn't until she started stirring up empty eggshells in a mixing bowl that she realized her mistake. For us, for us, that's what our prayer life is like. Distracted by the things of this world, preoccupied with ourselves, leaves us stirring empty shells. But that's not the main part of prayer. That's not the part that you want. That's not the part that's going to satisfy you. Brie was still making eggs, I guess. But she was missing the point of the matter. Oftentimes, we're still praying, but we're missing the point and the power of prayer. We're busy stirring empty shells as if the shell of a thing could satisfy. As if we could fill up on such a thing. But Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive um, those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here is the point of Christian prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, for, for a long time, I treated those four words, hallowed be your name, as a primer for doting on God. A, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge from God the Son to flatter God the Father before asking him of anything. 
You, you may have been taught something similar. Praise God before you ask him for anything. While, while that has the, this appearance of wisdom and righteousness, if you slow it down, if you slow it down, you can see the, the, the human imposition, right? Butter up God, butter up God before you ask him of anything. But that is not what Jesus is advising here. That's a human projection onto both God the Father and God the Son. On the contrary, uh, in these four words, Jesus is suggesting that we request the most significant, the most important, the most dire, the most desperate ask that we could possibly have right out the gate without coaxing the Almighty. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Where's the request, you you may ask? It's right in this word hollowed. Hollowed. Hollowed isn't a word that we use regularly. You may not even be exactly sure what it means. But hollowed is the verb tense of the word holy. If something is being hollowed, it is being made holy. It's being treated as holy. It's taking something that was common, something that was profaned, and it's treating it, it's making it holy. It is the act of making something holy. Jesus then, uh, Jesus then instructs his disciples to pray that God the Father would make his own name holy. The first petition we are to ask of God the Father is that he makes his name holy. Our Father in heaven, sanctify your name. Make your name holy. As uh, New Testament scholar David uh, Crump points out, praying hallowed be your name, ask that God do something for himself. We are asking Uh, We are asking God to sanctify his name. Now, why would Jesus direct us to pray this way? Why would he he have us pray, Lord, make yourself holy, especially as the first thing that we ask of God the Father? Is God not holy? Absolutely, and, and in every way. God is holy. God is so holy that that his prophets, um, his his spokesmen, um, they they feared they would die when encountering his visible presence. Uh, God God is so holy that that he, he would topple whole nations as a rebuke to them insulting his holy name. The Israelites understood this well. They, they would pray for God to save them, even if they were the ones who got themselves in, in the situation. They would pray that God would save them for his namesake. God is so holy that he cannot turn a blind eye to sin, but must satisfy his own righteousness, even, even to the point of God the Son becoming the the atoning sacrifice for our sins, incurring the, the wrath that was meant for you and me. 
He is perfectly holy. He is the only one of whom it is said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But we are not. Our world is not. The mere existence of sin and evil insults God's holiness. The the very existence of injustice, of, of inequality, profanes God's holiness. It profanes who God is. I'm saying that the very existence of systemic and systematic uh, uh, oppression, um, the the, the existence of of, uh, wealth inequality, these things and a whole host of others, these things insult the personhood of God. They offend God's holiness. They offend who he is. To pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, is to pray for the expulsion of any and everything that profanes the name of the one triune God. John, a a friend and follower of, of Jesus, put it this way. God is light, and, and in him there is no darkness at all. Think of the brightest light that you can imagine. I mean, like the brightness of the sun. Flooding a dark room to the point that, that, that there is no possible shadow, all right? There, there are no shadows. There, there's no place where the light is not shining at full capacity. The sheer magnitude of, of this light expels darkness from each and every corner. That's how God is. His holiness expels all that is not holy. To to pray, hallowed be your name, is to partner with God by praying for the end of anything that opposes who God is. To pray, hallowed be your name, is to pray that all things, all people, and every system of this world bows down in submission and comes into harmony with God or be dismayed. It's to pray for shalom, for wholeness, not only for yourself, but for all creation. And in the, in the privilege that is prayer, our primary priority is shalom. It's wholeness. That God's name is honored for what it is, holy. That there is no evil profaning the name of the triune person of God. We are, we are to pray for the, for the advent of God's full and complete reign. That's what we really want. Every, every created vessel acknowledging and submitting to his perfection. Is that what you pray for? Let me ask it another way. Uh, who is at the center of your prayer life? 
Who is at the center of your, of your prayer life? If you pray, then what is it that you pray for and who is at the center of it? Take inventory of your prayers. I did. And I found that there was one common thread, me. My interests are regularly at the center of my prayer life. It's, it's my job, it's, it's my family, my safety, my well-being, my future, my parking spot. My, 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 mine. My interests are regularly at the center of my prayer life. Unknowingly, unknowingly, I've been praying that, that my name be established. Lord, protect my kingdom. My will be done. My priorities were all backwards, all out of order. While, while my prayers, while, while the things that I wanted, they weren't evil, they utterly missed the point of prayer, and in, and in doing so, they missed the power of prayer. They lacked its power. What I really need is his reign on earth as it is in heaven. What, what I really want is God's name to be magnified, for his name to be recognized as holy, honored as holy, treated by every man, woman, person, child as holy. For everything that opposes God to be banished from this world, Every other petition of the Lord's Prayer is found in God being recognized as holy. Contrary to, to common practice, we, we ought not be the center of our prayers. Who would have guessed it? God's reign must be at the center of our prayers. God's reign instead of our name must be at the center of our prayers. For, for Jesus, God's reign, it, it, it is the core, it is the crux, it is the center, the foundation for prayer. Most of us, uh, for, for most of us, the name of the game is not God's reign. Let's, be, that, let's just be honest. For most of us, the, the name of the game is it's our security, it's our comfort, it's our convenience, it's, it's our happiness. But we're not the protagonists. We're, we're, not, we're not the one who, who the story of life is all about. God is. Followers of Jesus are, are, are to pray for the advent of God's full and complete reign. Every created vessel acknowledging and submitting to his perfection. God's reign instead of our name. God's reign instead of our name. I, I, I promise you this, if you, if you begin to pray for God's reign instead of your name, the quality of your prayers will change. 
You, you, will, you will quickly realize that, that praying with you and your interest at the center was small and short-sighted. Praying God's reign instead of your name is genuinely challenging. When, when, when you are at the center of your, of your own prayers, you, you pray for what's important to you, right? You inherently know how to do that because you know what's important to you. To pray for God's reign is to have a new set of priorities, you, you, you're not just praying for the things that you would want. To pray for God's reign is to have a new set of priorities. You are praying for what's important to God. It's genuinely challenging. You know why? Because it requires that you know what's important to him. Which requires getting to know him as he is. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're not someone who currently prays, you, you may be at, at an advantage here, all right? Because you can start praying the, the correct way with God's reign at the center rather than your name. You're not having to, to unlearn all of these unhelpful habits that, that cause us to, to, to be the center of our own prayers, Jesus requires that, that God the Father and his holiness be at the center of our prayer life. His reign instead of our name. This is, this is at the deepest heart level. Re, re, remember, um, re, remember, prayer isn't for show. It, and, and it's not absent-minded rambling. There, there is intentionality in prayer. We must, be, we, we must intentionally pray for his reign instead of our name. The only way that happens is if he reigns in your life. As he reigns in your life, you, you will learn what's important to him. You'll learn what God loves and, and, and you'll learn what he hates. You'll, you'll begin to pray for what he loves and against what he hates. So get closer, get closer to the things that God cares about. If not, if you decide not to, to pray this way, you will effectively be wasting your time in prayer because you'll be missing the point of it. You know who understood this well? Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, King uh, is one of the many modern-day saints who, who modeled this for us. In his speech titled Beyond uh, Vietnam, he described how God's priorities have become his priorities. King declared, uh, I must be true to my conviction that I share with all men the, the calling to be a son of the living God, beyond the, the, the calling of race or nation or creed, is this vocation of sonship and brotherhood. 
because I believe that, that the Father is deeply concerned. He's deeply concerned, especially for his suffering and helpless and outcast children. I come tonight to speak for them. This I believe to be the privilege and the burden of all of us who deem ourselves bound by allegiances and loyalties which are broader and deeper than nationalism and which go beyond our nation's self-defined goals and positions. We are called to speak for the weak, for the voiceless, for the victims of our nation, for those it calls enemy, for no document from human hands can make these humans any less our brother. That is what it sounds like when we pray for God's reign instead of our name. When God's reign instead of our name is at the center of our prayer life. May God's priorities become our priorities. In doing so, we will pray our Father in heaven, make your name holy, expel all that opposes you, all that opposes who you are, even if we've benefited from it. Lord, reign in this place. Amen.